comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Look, just say Smith or Jones or something. There's no way you can pronounce that right. Episode 290. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have thirty minutes to move your car. Your car. You have thirty minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Tonight's episode: It's a Malar, 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 Malar world. like to apologize and of course what i'd like what bill meant to say am i on what bill meant to say was it's a miller 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 world (laughs) i'd I'd like to apologize to brad milo and zero mostel for that you mean brad milio that's not how i pronounce it i don't know how you (laughs) milio oh no that's what the that's what my phone says the oven is beeping at me go get it our casserole the oven will not stop beeping until i deal with this so what are we talking about in this episode we're gonna talk about the whole Mark, comic books, Mark Millar, something about Mark Millar and Fox Studios. We'll get into that, and then DC continuity, all yes. in thirty minutes, maybe forty-five. And um, yeah, this might be a good time. We can we can remind our listeners at the end. But you know, we have episode three hundred coming up. This is episode two ninety right now. Ten away. Ten away, and we were struggling with what should we do for episode three hundred. Call in show, you know what. So we decided, let's leave it up to the listeners, you guys. We'd like for you guys to tell us what we should do if all, for episode 300. If all 12 of you got together, <laughs> I'm sure. What is all this for? Oh, candy. If all 12 of you got together, the you could chocolates. You could come up with something very nice for us to do. <laughs> Why all of a sudden did we start talking like Monty Python ladies? It's the effects. Oh, it's the effect. I've got the Monty Python effect on there. You've got to turn it down. There's a Monty Python filter. Right. It's on my microphone. It's on Bill's, but it's not on yours. Well, that's Isn't that splendid? That's not fair. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I all of a sudden feel the need to place things on top of other things. Quit screaming. Man, these are, peanut com- cups these are compressors, good. not limiters. So I was just telling the listeners about for episode three hundred hey, about we want them who's to tell the other guy here. What should we do? I so we're gonna let them boss I us am. around for once, right. huh? So send in your your suggestions by um by episode two ninety five to um half our weight at gmail dot com. Please yeah. vote for the fantasy football episode, please. <laughs> And uh, we'll take them into account, and then we'll decide. It'll be up to us. That may be Don't wor- that, tell Brad and Frank. This that, will be our secret. Listen, okay? that may be a worthy topic and has been and possibly could be again, but not for an anniversary show, not for a 300. 
Yeah. The like, not I'm, final episode. <laughs> you guys you guys don't want me doing it for random audio files. I don't know how I'm going to get away with it in an For random audio, you can do it. That's you why it's do random audio. You know, you could, listen, I've actually got... random audio files, you could fart into the microphone for 10 minutes now, straight. I don't... And I would publish it. That'd be a heck of a trick. Um, I do not have the volume in my buttocks to make something like that happen, first of all. Actually, it's your colon. Get it straight. Um... Good point. Well, unless you're and actually a straight colon is a good thing. It is. Yeah, things just kind of. This has just been. This just been. I, I mean, it's all crinkled up. I don't up. think you're that's got, the way know, biology works. You got business moving left and right and left. Right. And right. I don't care. You need for it to shoot out, baby. <laughs> all right, just a straight shot. Yeah. So, so I just have, had those extra, like you know, forty-seven feet just taken out because I just didn't need them. Well, hey, I'm, ta- I'm talking. I'm talking baby. about that last. I'm talking about the last mile. I'm talking about the last, you know, foot. Yeah, you want things to be. Hey, hope, well, it'd be like you know, out all right. on a water slide, it's curly and twisty and all yeah. that stuff. But the last like twenty feet is yeah. always a straight shot. Yeah, that's what you want. Maybe that's what's wrong with water parks. <clears throat> Maybe they need to to go ahead and have those twists all the way to the very end mm-hmm. to maximize your 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 pleasure. Maybe you, baby. I yeah. like things going out straight. Okay. So if you have an idea if for episode want, 300, which you does your, not consist of bodily function If talk, you don't want your do to have a left <laughs> turn in it. But, uh, yeah, we're talking like, I mean, these are just suggestions. We could do a recipe show. We could do a taste test. We could uh, interview okay. each other. We could, um, we could find the, out what makes us tick. Have the kids do the whole show, you know. Just throw no. some suggestions and we'll see what happens. No, we need to do it. Wow, you could uh, you could do a lot worse than that. I can absolutely see that happening. Um, Maybe have Sash do the whole show. <laughs> Half hour wasted at gmail.com. Send us your ideas. So, guys, we got the story that vote you... Vote for Turge. That you... Uh, By the way... Oh, yeah. Sage has not had any emails lately. What's so up with that? Please feel free to send Sage an email at Turge, T-U-R-G-E, at halfhourwasted.com, and he will respond. You know, he's got a big heart. He would respond to something like that. He needs to go to the doctor if he's got a big heart, because that is not normal. Not for somebody his size. So what's this article about Mark Millar that came out earlier? There was an email chain on it. I didn't get to participate. I saw it, but it's apparently big news. I'll read it. 20th Century Fox inks deal with comics guru Mark Miller. The wanted writer, he wrote that comic book, Wanted, will serve as a creative consultant on the studio's Marvel properties. I think this can only be good. And that's what I said in that email I sent sent to you guys. This can only be a good thing, right? Yes. In fact, I thought it was interesting that the uh, subject line was, this can only be good. Currently, uh, we've been told that Fox has new X-Men and Fantastic Four uh, ideas in the work, right? Am I right, or am I just pulling this I, out of this? my, I, I my have no, uh, colon? No, it's, <laughs> no, it's absolutely correct. Uh, it, it, it's not coming out of your colon. And um, uh, there's a Fantastic Four reboot uh, done by Josh Trask, uh, directed... The director, Josh Trask, has come on board Trank. to do this. Trank? Sorry, yes. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Thank you. And uh, he was responsible for the movie Chronicle. Right. Um, they uh, uh, there's a new Wolverine movie coming out. Obviously, it's called the Wolverine. The mm-hmm. Wolverine, not a Wolverine, but the Wolverine, starring and Hug Jackman. 
Okay, hug. <laughs> That sounds like a Steve Martin name, doesn't it? Hug, huh? Hug, huh. And just for our listeners who maybe are people who don't know who Mark Miller is, he, just going down a list of things he's done. He worked on Civil War, Marvel Civil War. He's done some Fantastic Four. Even worked on Ultimate Fantastic Four. Um, did the Ultimate, which is part of the Ultimate Universe. Um, the best, in my opinion, the best Wolverine story ever, Old Man Logan. Old Man wrote Logan. That. See, I've never read that. I have the hardback, and I will force it down your throat, and, want, and I want to massage your grandmother. <laughs> okay. Um, could I have a shoe of cheese on yes. it? Yes. And, uh, and, and the Spider-Man universe makes two great appearances in it. Let's just put it that way. The, in the Old Man Logan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's. I really, the, the only thing uh, Miller's he, done that I don't like was um, the Skrull Kill Crew. Um, that was Miller and Morrison. Yes, that was those two, which to me... I saw that thing for three bucks yeah. at uh, Lone Star, right? And uh, I thought to myself, for three bucks, you know, for, for he the says price to of himself, one he comic, says, how could it be bad? He says to himself, he says, "This can only be good." He um, says, um, "So it was awful." I I didn't get it, and I think a lot of it was the art. The art was done by, I think, uh, um, crack-addled inmates. I'm not sure exactly what the idea was with Don't the, you guys the art there. Think though that having somebody who's heavily invested in the comic book world is a good thing to help a, stu- a non-Marvel studio guide their Marvel movies. I, yeah. yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a. It's definitely not a bad thing. It's a, it's a smart move on their part. Um, hopefully, he it doesn't turn out kind of like um, Kick Ass turned out, where it's. You know, I think that story suffered a little bit because of the transition from from comic book to movie. I think it was a much better comic than it was a movie. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think Big time. And and he was involved with that. And somewhere along the line, it became high concept, and it became more about the movie than it did about the comic. But I think the movie suffered. You know, what's funny though is that, um, I don't remember. Well, I was going to say that I felt the opposite about. The movie wanted. I think I. I think I enjoyed the movie wanted more than I did the comic book. So, it, you know, there's no hard and fast rule, obviously, as right. far as what's better. But I just have a feeling that this is a good thing. You know, they've got Joss Whedon. Marvel's got Joss Whedon. You know, involved in both Avengers movies. He's he's taking all the pieces and putting them together to make one big picture. He's involved with the new Shield TV show. Um. Oh, so some, it's a good thing, and this is like Fox's version of Joss Whedon, it feels like. But that was something that was uh, almost an organic process. I mean, there was never... I mean, up until he got attached to the Avengers, he was not the creative chief over the Marvel properties. Right, but he... If that's even an official term, you know, now, I mean... But it's he, kind he clearly of, is unofficially, at least. He's kind of morphed into that position. Yeah, and that's a, that's a darn good thing. Um, he clearly has a chops... You know, of course, the the Avengers DVD came out um, uh, last Tuesday, uh, our time, and um, yeah, I watched it again, and um, it reaffirmed uh, to me that uh, wow, that was an awesome movie. <laughs> well, I you know i I want to preface this. I was li- I was listening to the commentary uh, before I came over here to recording, and yes, and Josh talks about how. Um, you know, he he had some restraints in that movie in that, and I, I'm only halfway through the commentary, but it's like, we need to see this in the movie. 
it's not to set up other things. It's just we need this to happen for marketing reasons or something. And the one I remember was um, the Thor Iron Man fight. That had to happen. Studio wanted to see that happen. So he had to justify that fight, which happens early in the movie. But I think he was he was put under some constraints a little bit where it's like, this has to happen. And, you know, honestly, that's been one of... One of the things I've always thought was kind of ridiculous about uh, comic books, and you see this across, you know, well, across the big two at least, um, there's very few titles I can think of where this doesn't happen where, you know, Supergroup A is on the scene, Supergroup B shows up, there's a misunderstanding, Supergroup A and B duke it out for half an issue or three pages or whatever until, um, until Supergroup A and B realize there's been a misunderstanding, and... Um, and then they they like shake hands and you know they hug it out. Oh, you're a better. good guy. But, so am I. But it's always felt to me like you know these you know these fight scenes between between these super characters. Um, there's just no need for it. I mean, I, I understand that uh, they're just trying to induce some action, um, but it seems like a very forced thing. And uh, to Joss Whedon's credit. He came up with a pretty decent justification, you know, for for the fight, um, within the bounds that yes, it still did need to happen. Um, you know, it's just it was one of those where you know Iron Man comes in and you know just the classic superhero, uh, you know, hit first, ask questions later. Um, and I've always I've always thought that was kind of a, a weak way to structure a plot or to move a plot further down its uh, down its timeline. Um, so, you know, I'll give that to him. Um, I, I maintain that, uh, that that movie is just almost perfect. I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's a great movie. And, and uh, at the end of that movie, I, just, I felt like standing up and, and cheering. You know, um, my, I, I never did get to see it a second time in the theaters. Uh, I considered doing it when it was re-released. Um, I came real close to going and seeing it uh, at the Dollar Theaters. I think it's still over there, um, you know, if I wanted to go try that. Um, but now that I've got it on home, you know, at home here in Blu-ray, um, kind of makes me wish I had a 3D TV because my 3D Blu-ray isn't doing me much good right now. The um, the Mark Millar going to Fox and and ah, Blu-ray. he did it, he did it too. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I said Mark Millar. I I'm finally rolling. Up. Ah, this is great. You're this rubbing the, off on this me. This is the best day <laughs> of my whole 40s so far. <laughs> yeah, um, you you can keep doing that as long as there's no kids present. By the way. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so do you think, um, I mean, it does make me a little uncomfortable, but you know, I'm an adult. I can handle it. Do you think that it is possible to make a fantastic four movie that is great and not just good by the nature of the characters and the story? Because I think because absolutely. Yes. I think because Avengers exists and they've got somebody as ridiculous a concept as Thanos coming mm-hmm. to be the bad guy in the second movie, that there's absolutely no reason they couldn't do a very well done Fantastic Four movie. I'm of the opinion that the second Fantastic Four movie with the Silver Surfer was the better of the two. I'm agree. I, yes, I agree with that's, you. That's degrees. <clears throat> yeah, that's. Um, it but, had its problems, but it. I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. But I still think you get the right people in there with the right minds and the right forethought and the right frame of reference that you could do a decent 
Fantastic Four movie. Well, the Fantastic Four lends themselves to a like, good treatment. I mean, they're they're a family, and they're more. It's it should be more sci-fi than just people hitting each other before real you know before they realize there's been a misunderstanding. You know, no, they go out in space. They 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 interact with things. You know, they have problems to solve. Um, you know, of course, you got to let Ben Grimm clobber something. You know, Johnny Storm will most likely be a hothead, but but you can absolutely good heavens. I mean, I have high hopes that uh, this Josh Trank guy um, can can pull a team together that can do this justice because if they fail a third time at a fantastic four, um, venture, Oh, I will, I guess fourth, uh, Ken and Corman, but, um, I, I will be beside myself because yes, absolutely. You can make a great fantastic four movie. They, they, there's a camp value there that, that they've always seemed to kind of have in my mind. I mean, I know they have great stories and, and, and stuff like that, but the, just overall the characters, their dichotomy, it just feels, but see, there's. I got to tell just, you though, I didn't the, experience that at all with that second movie. When Fantastic Four is done yeah. right, there's no camp. It's not camp. You know that that's that was part of what was wrong with the with the movie. Uh, the movie was trying to was trying to force humor in in places where it didn't need to be. I mean, they were shoehorning. You know, Tim Story was shoehorning this in and shoehorning that in, and you know th- that was my biggest problem. It's like it, the movie the movies felt like you know. It felt like a car that was stuck in first gear. It's just you know you're you're stepping on the accelerator and it's lurching forward and you know it just you, know, you keep popping the clutch and it just you know it's it's not it's not a smooth acceleration. It was just you know okay uh, all right well you know, Reed Richards uh, a newsflash Tim Story and uh, Fox uh, Reed Richards is not comedy relief okay. He is the father figure. He is the smartest stinking man on the planet, or one of the top two or three at least. Uh, I mean, the, this is the man who, who the entire family spins around, and when you reduce him to being comedy relief, it cheapens the entire exercise for everybody. And that's, and that's what I'm, what I'm kind of getting at. Okay. I think, I think it, it just needs a little bit more of an, of an edge. Like, you know, something Alan Moore, like, you know, let, has Alan Moore ever written the fantastic four? Let him take a crack. Not that at I know it. of. Well, and you know, you know. <laughs> well, they've got, um, thanks to, thanks to Mark Miller and thanks to, uh, Hickman. Uh, we just got three years of amazing concepts that can be used um, not to mention the fact that the Fantastic Four has been around for 50 years now almost. So you've got plenty of history to draw on, but if you're looking for something that's modern and relevant, then there are there are five or ten storylines. This doesn't even include what Miller did with the Ultimates Fantastic Four, which Miller's writing uh, sucked me into the Ultimate Universe Um when when he was doing his run there, um, you know, Miller introduced, you know, it, please do not do this. But Miller introduced Marvel Zombies. And that was an amazing. What do you mean do not do this? Do not. Do not do Marvel Zombies in the Fantastic Four oh, movie. Right. <laughs> it's oh, like, okay. it was like, do not. <laughs> no, it's like, do not yeah, take that if, turn. I don't know but. if a lot of people. I mean, it, it took me like the first time I ever heard of Marvel Zombies. Yeah. Was. The original Marvel Zombies, yeah, miniseries, and that was I, because I didn't read Ultimate books. Right. I had absolutely no idea that it wasn't 
an original idea at that point. And gosh, that I'm it came to... from Ultimate Fantastic Four, in which I have since read and was just yeah. glorious. I mean, I read the trade paperback, so I'm not sure if I read... You know, I never read the floppies. Uh, I don't know if I read... Miller's Ultimate Fantastic Four Marvel Zombies thing before Marvel Zombies proper came out. Probably did, but the timelines are getting muddled in my head. Um, but I, I've always said that, you know, a good comic book leaves you with an, an, an oh, stuff moment at right. the end of a comic book. Uh, at least a good writer does that. Um, to me, um, when Mark Miller is on, at the end of a comic book, it's not an oh, stuff moment. It's an oh, fudge moment. Um, I mean, it's just it, some of some of what he does, you know, just astounds me. And um, Hickman, uh, Millar, Miller, <laughs> Miller had some amazing storylines. The uh, um, Susan Storm from Five Hundred Years in the Future, bringing her her band of merry men back to the present. Um, the whole idea of New World. Um, in fact, uh, Jim Dietz, I'm calling you out. Um, you were. You are basically my twin, and I can't believe that we disagree on something, but he said in an email chain that uh, that he didn't really care for uh, Miller's ultimate Fantastic Four run, which just, I, you know, that's fine. I mean, if you don't want to, you know, I, I'm not mad at you about it. I'm just mystified because I think it was objectively great. I mean, I don't think it's subjectively great. I think it's objectively great. Um, and I don't know, maybe it had something to do with the fact that that I had not read the Fantastic Four much at all since basically the early 80s. I mean, I, I would touch base with it here and there. Um, but, um, you know, I was there for what I thought was Fantastic Four's golden years. And, you know, uh, Lee and Kirby, obviously, you, you can make that claim. Um, but the, uh, the Roy Thomas, um, uh, John Basima uh, years, uh, and of course, you know, it's because that's when I was reading it. I was a kid. Um, but like the one issue 150 through issue 200, you know, that was my, that was my wheelhouse. And, you know, those were amazing comics. Um, and, and after that, it was literally a few decades before I got back on board with it. And I'd pick it up every now and again. And it's like, eh, you know, I like J. Michael Straczynski, but you know, it didn't really grab me or, you know, they'd have, you know, heaven knows how many writers have tried it, you know, in between, you know, my childhood and now, um, Miller was the first one that just absolutely grabbed me by my neck and said, you will pay attention to this and it will drive you insane with its awesomeness. And so you've got two universes, um, you've got two universes and, uh, four years basically worth of issues that you could draw from to make a great movie. Uh, my, my desire is that they take it a little bit more seriously and I'm not talking dark Knight. You know, I don't want it to be depressing. I right? would, I would agree with that because, it, much like you commented earlier about Mister Fantastic always kind of being the comic relief a little bit. I yeah. mean, him and and Susan just, you know, I, I realize they're in a relationship and there's going to be these. You know, yeah. that's funny that you know here these superheroes have to deal with these, you know, relationship issues. It can be funny, but uh, yeah, I don't want well, that. and and Jessica Alba is amazing, but. She was, you know, she was so badly miscast. I mean, one of the worst casting decisions in major motion picture history, in my humble opinion. And that makes me sad to say, because I love the Fantastic Four, and Jessica Alba's, she's, she's a babe. 
Um, but man, they didn't go together in any way. I mean, there's so many people. If she was the president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> you know who I think could play Susan Storm? Did you guys? Um, okay, this this happened uh, a week and a half ago now by by our time. Uh, I cannot believe that last week uh, in episode 289 we didn't mention the new Fringe episode and no. the new la- and and the pilot of Last Resort. I have not seen either. Oh, okay. Well, that explains things. I, I only recently watched the first episode of Revolution. Okay, and I haven't. Dis- I've and not decided to give that any 13 time. Thirteen-year-old absolutely loved it. Yeah, and she wanted me to watch it with her, so I did. Okay, and it turned out I really liked it. So I'm hooked. Okay. Uh, I have I have yet to. I've heard nothing but good about Last Resort. Andre Brower, yeah, right? Yeah, Submarine, exactly. Scott Speedman, and I don't know. I, I was telling Sash, I, I I watched it a couple nights ago, and then uh, we sat down over dinner last night, and all four of us watched it. And I had to. There's there's one part where it gets a little bit randy, and uh, we had to resort? Fast, last resort. Okay. Um, the 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 one thing the the one eye rolling moment in last resort was about oh 15 minutes in for those of you parents who might want to go and watch it with your kids. Um, a, uh, a guy and a girl go up to her penthouse, her apartment, her whatever, and they're discussing something about a, a device that she, that her company had made. And they don't make it clear whether it's her invention or whether she's the head of the company or whether she's a salesman or what. But um, the company's got her name, so she's clearly attached to it in some way. And she looks like she's 22. And so, of course, she invents this technology that's basically, uh, it's, it cloaks the magnetic signature from a submarine basically rendering it invisible to radar kind of at least that's the idea although it's you know she, she's already she's already my least favorite character but, by well the way. but <laughs> but she she looks like she looks like someone who came directly off of a cw uh nighttime soap opera she's, i mean uh, she's a little too attractive and a little too uh lowest lois laney in your face the way she goes up to an admiral and just tells her you know, did you wh- see? You? Yeah, I saw it. Okay, and, okay, and, and, yeah, okay, cool. And, and um, yeah, you know that woman just needed to be a little older and, and, and sa- not and not like you said, a twenty-two-year-old uh, hothead. Yeah, who uh, who happens to always look hot no matter what she's wearing. Oh yeah, and she did look very hot, um, especially as she was uh, uh, stripping down to her uh, her undies. Um, and and I'm sitting there watching that, going, "This is you know." Um, I'm a big fan of now, the beauty would, of the human form, but that didn't that seemed out of place in something like I, this. And I would have that same problem too if that was like a 22 year old guy, right? You know, it's just that that character needs to be older. Yes, and thank you for agreeing with me because that was really my that was my one nitpick. And Sash was just she was just she was turned off by it, and I don't blame her. Um, you know because. You know, for Sash, it's, I don't think it's not so much a, a it's not a jealousy thing. It's uh, Sash is an actor, and it's ridiculous that you get this fairly wooden actor who just happens to be, you know, supermodel gorgeous to play a character that's supposed to be very seriously taken, and you cannot take this character seriously the way she presents herself and the way they present her. You know, by having her basically do a, uh, her and her boyfriend, it's, it's whatever, do exi- a ex- exhibition scene where it's just like yes. it, it, they have to explain what's going on. Yeah. Which is, which by the way was very clunky, I thought. Oh, it's yeah. The, a, it was that, that scene was accompanied with exposition that was helpful, 
but that didn't need to be in a scene that contained that. And uh, I, I just I looked at Sash and I said, I totally agree with you, but I'm going to keep watching. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not yeah, going to hit the stop uh, button and refuse to watch because of this. Overall, I, I thought it was a really good episode. I'm on board. Uh, that scene where they don't know whether to launch the missiles is pretty powerful. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, but um, uh, part of a... I don't know if I'm done with uh, Last Resort yet, but um, I think that that Lieutenant Shepard, she could be Susan Storm. She has, she has the right look for it. Mm. She's a little wooden. I haven't seen it, so I, I have no comment. Yeah. She, she was. I, I we'll thought see. she was a little stiff. Really? Maybe okay. we yeah. should talk about Last Resort because I kind of next it. time we get together. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> that way, I'll I'll have a chance to have seen it. Um. By the way, Last Resort. Uh, my my main issue with the concept of the show is kind of like what we had with Lost. It's like, where is this? You know, how does this show have four or five years <laughs> yeah. worth of plot? worth of reasonable <laughs> plot development. Yeah. Um, it, it, it seems like a one-off, but I'm sure the writers have something in store for us. Uh, the and, you know, that's the exact same thought I had about Revolution, by the way. Great concept, yeah. but how is it going to sustain itself for a matter of, hopefully, the five years that it's going to run? Well, something happens at the end of the first episode of Revolution that makes you go... Oh, okay. Yeah, I, and I, I watched Revolution it. too, and it, okay. uh, and it has a, a good kind of like, uh-huh. So is it worth watching then? Um, I'm going to watch it. Uh, Brad, I thought that first episode was by the numbers. Of course. I, I mean, liked, I liked the characters, but it, it, it always was, is. I it mean, was just very yeah. much just, okay, here's this character. Oh, here's that character. If the, okay. if the very end thing hadn't have happened, mm-hmm. I would have been like, eh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but now my interest is peaked. Yeah, because of what's what happened at the end, and you always have to be forgiving for the pilot anyway uh, of shows. Sure. So, uh, so I, I'm on board for both. We'll see it. Do we want to talk about DC Universe continuity? We could. There was a cool. By the way, Fringe. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. Um, it's on my DVR. There yeah. was an article on Bleeding Cool. It's worth watching. About, uh, well, the title of the article is "What Doesn't Make Quite Make Sense in the DC New Fifty Two Timeline." with help from Rob Liefeld. And basically, this article references a timeline that another website put together called Comicosity. And that's the one I'm on. They created a timeline for the new DC-52, and there were some tweeting going on back and forth between Robert Liefeld and the guy who created this timeline. And Liefeld had some comments and input about at least his participation in the in the new DC fifty two when he was writing. But No was was uh Leinfeld was he defending it? Was he uh, uh was he n- agreeing? No, basically um he was kind of calling him on it. Yeah, he was he was calling uh Liefeld out on the continuity mistakes and Liefeld was just was saying, dude, I was just writing what I was told. Okay. You know, if you got a question, con- contact DC editorial, please. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was given deliberate mark. He says I was given deliberate marks and direction by the uh, editorial to hit in my story, and I did. He basically was saying, "Yeah, there's problems, but I was being told, you know, that like like you were saying earlier, this Iron Man Thor battle has to happen. You know, Weifeld was told these things have to happen in your books, so make sure you do it." I wouldn't agree with that because 
there there was an edict that went out when the new fifty two started out was that no origin stories, none. Well, that's we're not going to start with the origin. That's stories. That's gone by the wayside, right? Because what did he do for the first episode of Hawk and Dove? Origin story, and you've heard about <laughs> yeah, and, you're, and and they said no, we want to just hit the ground running, tell the story, we'll get to origin later. You've heard about. Uh, like a lot of these zero issues that came out, I think touched on the origins yeah. mm-hmm. of a lot. And you've heard about the new origin for Tim Drake's character, Mm-mm, who we've no. known as Robin. Apparently, in the new DC Fifty Two, Tim Drake was never Robin. He immediately began his crime fighting career as Red Robin. Okay, which he adopted the guise of in post or pre Flashpoint. Remember okay. when Damien became Robin? He he adopted the guise of Red Robin. Okay. So, but now in the new Fifty Two, Tim Drake apparently they've retconned in the fact that he never was he wasn't born Tim Drake. Yeah, his last <laughs> name wasn't Drake, which is interesting because the Batman continuity and the Green Lantern continuity were supposed to be unchanged, right? From the way it used to be, so, and and I, I think a lot of people have a hard time reconciling that. And and no, it's okay when when the entire universe changed at the end of uh, the Flashpoint miniseries. Um, it's not that it's not that these things, you know, not having changed. Um, it's not that their histories were the exact same. It's just that the the events, you know, the mechanical events, you know, event A begets event B begets event C. You know, those just happen in the same way, um, but they still can happen. You know, they, they can st- it's not that they're car- they're literal carryovers from the old universe. It's just that they just say they just happen in the same way that they did because, you know, I, it kind of bugged me. I, I read uh, um, uh, the only two DC comics I'm picking up right now are the two Legion titles, and I read Legion Lost issue zero and. Just about pulled a Brad. Uh, I just about ripped the issue in half and uh, really? made a video. I just I thought it was an absolute an absolute waste of two ninety nine. It was just it was a waste of the 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 three and a half minutes it took me to read it, and it was a waste of three dollars. Um, the Legion uh, Legion Superheroes Zero was a little bit better than that, but at the end of it, you know they've got a timeline Whoa. and. Uh, and, and I think that's here on this uh, this uh, this page that we're looking at here with the uh, the official timeline that the Legion didn't form until the year 2011, you know, according to this. Yeah. So they're even though the Legion, excuse me, the Legion and Batman and Green Lantern were the three properties whose uh, whose backstories right. didn't get affected by the Flashpoint. Um, even so. Uh, uh, they tell you that the the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes was in 2011 in Legion of Superheroes issue one, you know, which is just hmm. it's just it's ridiculous. Okay, um, oh, the far the farther away we get from it, the uh, the more issues I have um, with the new Fifty Two, and you know I'll live. I, I understand what they're trying to do. I mean, it's you know if you can't sell a comic, um, your company can't do anything at all. You know, I mean. If you go out of business, you can't sell any kind of stories. So I realize they have to draw up interest. Um, and for the most part, you know, I think it worked. I, I was one of those that I gave it a nice, uh, honest try. Uh, I bought a lot. Uh, probably, I think, I'm trying to remember if I counted, but I, I was somewhere around half of the titles when they first came out last year. 
Wow. I um, um I just looked up what Drake's what Drake's deal was, and he was adopted by Batman, by Bruce Wayne. In I think in the new DC fifty two he was. Let's see. It says. Well, no. It says here. Uh, this is relaunch. Oh, wait a minute. Tim is a talented uh, athlete and computer genius who comes close to discovering Batman's identity, but never totally figures it out. When Tim finds... Put your mic in front of the mouth. I mean, mouth in front of the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Like this? I think you're right. When Tim finds the Batman and gets rejected for the role of sidekick, he decides to bring Batman to him by hijacking the Penguin's bank account and donating millions of dollars. The Penguin's goons come after Tim and his family, but Batman saves them. Tim's parents go into witness protection, but they believe Tim deserves better and ask Bruce to take care of him. Bruce adopts Tim. The Witness Protection Program renames him Tim Drake. That's Yeah, this is what happened post-Flashpoint. Well, that's um, didn't that happen in, was it was it Batman Issue Zero? It's one of the Batman titles. It's the Zero Issue on the Batman titles where they kind of, they either did that retcon or they officially said this is what happened. Well, um, it might have been, I'm looking at, some, what was it, it the, might have uh, been Teen Titans number zero. Or maybe maybe it was Teen Titans. Yeah. That that could be it. Um, but we saw that on um, what's the uh, is it uh, CBR? Which one of those Bleeding does cool. Bleeding Cool? Um, I'm okay. looking at that article right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but in that, you know, Tim Drake. The, I think the the point of that uh, article was it's very interesting that you've got a sidekick who isn't a sidekick because his parents were killed. Yeah, um, his parents are still alive. He's just doing this because it's the right thing to do. Okay, um, because he's a heroic character. So, all of a sudden, DC is concerned about origins when they weren't, and maybe they wanted to start the. Maybe their plan was always to start with the ground running and then hit up origins during the zeros. Yeah, I I think that's that's safe to say. I I. But why go back and start jacking with? Batman when for so long it wasn't they weren't going to mess with it and why maybe they realized that okay if heroes have only been around for five years how is it possible that uh, Richard that Dick Grayson Tim Drake yeah and Damian (laughs) Wayne I guess is that his last name Damian Wayne that all three of them were Robins in five years yeah I mean and this kind of explains it. I, I, yeah, I mean, because, oh, guess what? Tim Drake never was Robin. He was always his own Red Robin hero. And it just seems like, like I said a long time ago when they started this whole new DC-52, it has appeared to me to be poorly planned and poorly thought out and a knee-jerk reaction to we're losing money, we need to do something quick to revitalize our failing comic book line it is amazing that a it seems to have saved their failing comic book line and b they didn't have a joss whedon or mark miller you know for lack of a better term they didn't well, have uh, they, they had, had, well i mean they got to dio you know who should have been well no in they, charge of I all mean, this they also have um jeff johns jeff johns yeah okay I mean, he's thank architect. you and i guess jim lee was also one of the the heavies as far as the creative yeah. aspect of it but yeah. Johns is what the the CCO, the chief creative officer. Yeah. So theoretically, it goes on to uh, Johns and Didio to make sure that everything is coordinated. And it's amazing that that you know, obviously, none of us knew a year ago that that there was this this 
lack of coordination um, in the D.C. offices. Um, but as the years progressed, uh, it has, I mean, it just blows me away that, no, there wasn't coordination. There was certainly some coordination, but there were too many, uh, uh, too many creators who were either doing their own thing or confused or, um, you know, weren't asked to coordinate, you know, their timelines, and their efforts. Um, and I think this article nitpicks a tiny little bit um, because a lot of the issues, uh, the, the timing issues, the, well, hey, the, you know, this comic says that this group was, you know, these two people met five years ago, and this comic says they met four years ago. It's like, eh, it's a nitpick, okay? I don't think we have to worry about that too much. You know, the, I don't think there's any... Some people get hung up on that like And, and I totally get that. I mean, you know, I pe- people love minutiae. I, I mean, do. Uh, um, you know, it's absolutely. one of my favorite dishes. <laughs> I don't even get that. Um, but, uh, but the idea that everything has to fit perfectly, you know, no, I'm going to try not to let that get to me either. Um, but it but just... Yeah, you know what? DC Universe has always been a mess. Well... Always. This is not... New, but they've tried to fix it so many times. The reason this is different now, though, is because they've tried to fit as much history into a new universe and only have like had three months or four or five months to do that. Whereas the previous universe had 30, 40 years to get it all in there. Well, and it, the, it fell in naturally. Yeah, exactly. The the previous universe, it was organic. It was a hey, I'm going to do a fun story. Okay, well let's uh, merge this into the canon. Let's figure out how this works. Okay, right. well, okay, the original guys. Okay, we'll say they're on Earth too. Okay, so all of a sudden we just created an Earth too. That's fine. You know what? When when Star Trek first uh, came out, Gene Roddenberry was flying by the seat of his pants. There was no such thing as Star Trek canon that people get so nitpicky about these days. He was making things up as they went along. I mean. Geez, in the fifth episode of the series, um, they didn't have shuttlecraft, hmm. right? In the, in the episode, The Enemy Within, right. where Kirk has his evil twin, right. and Sulu and his boys are trapped down the surface of the planet, and they're freezing to death, it's because the transporters aren't working. Well, anybody that's ever watched a Star Trek episode says, well, so send a shuttlecraft down. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal was they had not invented the idea of a shuttlecraft right. at that point. So, you know, the idea that, that all your canon has to be in place, you know, as, as you start your journey, you know, is probably asking too much of, of many creators. I, because you're always going to say, you know, that idea, I thought it was good, but that idea kind of sucks. So let's, you know, maybe we'll revive. Oh, hey, I just had a great idea. Okay, let's incorporate this into canon. Great. Do that. You I, know? I, I think it, it's a product now that people look long term at yeah. canon and stuff. When people develop a show, they, they usually have a Bible with them and stuff yes. like that. I, when you're looking at something back in the '60s, um, you know they weren't they they weren't thinking long term. They they weren't thinking that this could be a comic book, this could be a movie, this could be a, a DVD. You know, they're not thinking that way. They're just trying to produce a show. And I think comic books yeah. had the same. Same feel, you know? We're just producing something. We're just making money off it. And then slowly it starts to become this medium that things that people didn't think it would become. Mm-hmm. Right. It becomes this mass market thing. And suddenly people are paying attention to stuff like that. People well, are I mean, like, they want to know what, what Krypton was. They want to know why are there two Batmans? What happened to that first Flash? And, and they invent these crazy ideas like Earth 2 that vibrates at a different different 
frequency? I mean, that's that's genius, but that's also silly. Well, what I liked was that it wasn't a big deal um, because back in those days, um, comics were almost literally disposable. The idea was they you, literally you, they were. Well, you plop your dime or your twelve cents down at at the drugstore. You leave with the comic. You read it and you throw it in the trash. That was the idea back then. And, it was a newspaper. And all of a sudden, people realized, exa- yes, exactly right, which is why, which is one reason why they were printed on newsprint, not high-premium, glossy paper. Um, and by the way, I, I didn't mind the newsprint that much. But uh, as people realized, these stories were fun and worth reading a second time, you know, then, of course, you know, the rest is history. Um, so the idea that, that, you know, they were not... There were no Bibles in place. They were inventing it as they went along, and that's fine. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a valid way to do it. Another valid way to do it is to start from episode one with your Bible firmly in place. I think the, the problem that, uh, that a lot of people have is that it's clear that DC, with plenty of warning, or at least, I mean, they had as much warning as they wanted to have. They, could, they didn't have to launch the DC New 52 in, you know, DC New 52 could have launched whenever they wanted it to. You know, it didn't have to launch the, you know, they could have waited another six months to get their Bible straight or whatever, you know, to make sure that all their creators were on the same page. Um, personally, I mean, I think it's a bigger problem that, uh, that, that DC, that, that apparently, and, and I would love to know what some of these names are, you know, the fly on the wall thing would be awesome. But life, uh, Leafield, Leafield, Liefeld, whatever. Whatever, just the, say Smith and Jones. Okay, it don't Smith. So Smith and Jones has intimated more than once that uh, a lot of the editors working on the books basically drove away some of the care, some of the the creators who started on all these issue ones. Um, that a lot of you know the Paul Cornells and you know and Liefeld, whatever, um, and there are others. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Um, but a lot of the creators who left these comics, you know, during their formative stages, during the first six, 12 issues left because, uh, because the editors assigned by Didio, um, were somewhere in between incompetent and, um, and, and evil. I get the impression that DC was trying to create a Bible that they, that they want because DC universe is so messed up that you... You just can't say, you can't ask the question, who is Green Lantern, and get a straight answer. Because well, there's five. Yeah, right. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who is Blue Beetle? Well, you just can't answer Wait, which that. Which one? Yeah. Well, wasn't this, wasn't this the point of, of Flashpoint? Was to simplify uh, well, Yeah, everything? yeah. So this is them trying to create their Bible, to have a streamline, to here it is, it's final, you'll never have to worry about anything again. When you ask who Blue Beetle is, this is who it is. When you ask who Green Lantern is, this is who it is. If you're going to... But you can't... But there's so much history because any, any comic book that has ever been written and produced by DC exists in that that story has told has been told and it is out in the ether and it is part of... Yeah. It is part of that canon. You can't untell... That story, even in a, even if you want to say no, that was a dream. Well, that's what they that, want. That they, doesn't matter. They want us because, to forget about that old stuff. Yeah, and you can't because the story that was created will always exist, even if it's a forgotten tale, even if it's a silly tale. Yeah, it's it's people still care about that. You want to take it to the Marvel side? 
Spider-Man and, and, and Marianne, they had a kid. That kid has never been talked about since. But that kid still exists somewhere yeah, out like there. Yeah, it's like Richie Cunningham's older brother going up the stairs one day and never shows up again. So it's it's like they just need to kind of screw, forget the forget origins. Just go with what you got, man. Come on. Well, and it would be one thing if they would just say, look, you know, it it's, it's a new universe. It. It's too broke to be fixed. Just move on. Yeah, just have fun with it. I think one of one of Brad's big issues when they came with the new fifty two was the idea that they did want you to say, you know, everything that's ever happened up to this point, just don't worry about that. Forget about it. And you, Brad, were very sure that you didn't want to just forget about it. Right. And I was of the opinion that I don't mind DC doing this, um, but I'm gonna. I don't know if this is a having my cake and eating it too. It's like. I'm going to enjoy the process of the New 52 and see where it goes and see if it does allow them to freshen up a lot of stories that did seem stale. Because, frankly, Justice League, Justice Society, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that went into uh, the, uh, the the last year of the old DC Comics universe did seem like there was there was a lot of staleness going on. I well, mean, uh, the, the, you know, you know the Green Lantern New Guardians, or, or um, not the Green Lantern New Guardians, the uh, Emerald Warriors, which I thought was going to be amazing, turned out to be just another, just another excuse to tell the same stories over and over again. It's like, good. Now they've got a place where they can start fresh and theoretically tell new new stories. But there's no way in heck I'm going to forget that everything before that happened. Now, for me, I'm going to say to myself, self. Um, these stories all happened, but like any good time travel story, you know, the universe changed around them. So that doesn't invalidate the stories that went before. They're just not part of this new universe. It's, it's almost like the Star Trek movie, you know, the JJ Abrams movie where, um, during the first hour of it, you're wondering, is this supposed to be my Kirk and my Spock? I mean, it's clearly, that's clearly not, you know, Leonard McCoy, you know, I mean, that's clearly not, uh, Leonard Nimoy, excuse me. You know, that's clearly not uh, Shatner. And then into the movie, well, they introduce Nimoy, and you go, oh, okay, so this is an alternate universe. All right, I'm good with that. That's that's how I view this, which just muddles up the continuity even more. Um, you know, I just, I kind of view the New 52 as kind of, you know, that's not the same universe that we grew up reading, which I guess is their exact point. Well, in an effort to button up the topic and bring it to a close yes how far are we into the new 52 about uh, a year we just well a little more than a year you, you got okay. the, you got the issue 12s and then the issue zeros okay as readers of the new 52 how do you guys feel about it so far um i'll go first um i'm fine with it i have fun with it i'm i'm not a continuity wonk so it doesn't it doesn't Pardon really me? bother was me was that a was that an insult yeah no <laughs> it's just continuity you know, con- wonk yeah I don't. I don't. I'm a wonk. What does that mean? Wonk. Uh, like continuity just doesn't doesn't eat at me too much. I do care about it, but it's just like, eh, well, okay, move on. Um, so I'm fine with it. I've been having fun with it. Action comics and stuff like that is cool. It's, I guess it's when it comes down to those those storylines that they conflict one another or they cancel one another out. I kind of. That kind of bothers me. Uh, it, it's usually like when there's an event, 
And then there's all those supplemental uh, comic books that you have to read to know, you know, all the side stories and yeah. stuff. That stuff kind of kind of bothers me a little bit and when they cancel out something that happened in the main event. And it is kind of nice, though, that, that one thing DC has done, I think, right to this point is that there's been very little. I think you had, what, the culling, was that it? Um, which involved Teen Titans, Legion of Superheroes, and the Ravagers or somebody. And I didn't even bother with the other titles. But to this point, they have not had line-wide crossover where you have to read, you know, or, or you feel compelled to read, I guess, these eight titles to better understand what's going on in the main title. Um, I seriously doubt they'll stay fixed. You know what I have been enjoying? No. The Sandman. Oh, which, my goodness. You know, that's an older title, but that's just because, you know what? Just, you read re- your com- just read old comic books. You know, that's what with, I've been with, doing. With established storylines. And that's everything's like, and fine. It's weird. Once I, um, uh, once I hit, uh, uh, what, about six months ago, I, I read a bunch of those new f- two titles up until issue six, and then for mainly monetary reasons, um, I cut myself off, and I've only been collecting the, the Legion, the two Legion titles since then. So I've seen what's gone on thanks to Bleeding Cool, but I haven't read a Justice League since issue five or six. I haven't read Flash since issue whatever. I haven't read this, that. So I'm kind of out of the loop on that. By the way, uh, a wonk, Brad, yes. is a person preoccupied with arcane details or procedures in a specialized field. I Perfect. Am, I am very impressed at your vocabulary, Thank Frank. you very much. No, that's why I didn't bat an eye, because he nailed it. That impressive. Synonyms. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You're going to love these synonyms, by the way. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here comes the insult. Impressive. <laughs> Most impressive. Thank you, Brian. Nice. All right, let's so synonyms. Bookworm. Dink. Dork. <laughs> geek. <laughs> grind. Swat. That's S-W-O-T uh, in parentheses British. Weenie and nerd. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. I've never thought of you as a dink or a weenie. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Most impressive. One of the examples, and I've, you've heard this term a billion times if you pay any attention to politics at all, but an example of wonk is the policy wonks in the government. The candidate has an army of policy wonks ready to write him a position paper on virtually any issue. Holy cow. Pardon Excuse me. me. That was I think my, you just turned into a pumpkin. That was my Samsung Galaxy S2. So I've been, uh, I've been thinking, I, I can't imagine doing it because I've like got a phone that works fine. I just want a new one, but I've been considering the S3. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the professor just uh, finally got on board with the smartphone. Really? It is a, uh, it is a Samsung. It's not the S. Um, yeah, what is it? Oh, I forget, but it's a, it's a slider. It's a smartphone oh, okay. with a slider keyboard underneath uh, she likes to, She I've noticed she normally goes for the physical keyboard. Yeah, she, she absolutely wants the physical keyboard. Yeah. That's... That's almost a deal breaker uh, for her. Um, so, uh, but she's she's never had a, a truly smartphone before. She's had those 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 limited intelligence phones to this I, point. I think they're referred to as, as feature phones. You call okay. feature phones, okay? <laughs> but no, she's. Uh, I, I told her she'd love it, and she resisted for a long time, and she finally got it about a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can listen to music on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know uh, the the one feature phone thing I do miss is the clamshell. The I don't. I've talked about that. I've I always there was something so yeah. satisfactory about that way you a could call, flip it open the and flip phone the pop it open yeah do and the then Captain Kirk call and, oh, love that yeah all right we're gonna wrap it up 
Um, that was kind of nice. So, yeah, what, what topics did we not hit that we were that we told the audience we would? We, no, actually, I think we, we hit, hit them all. all. We actually batted a thousand. Fantastic. Uh, thanks again, listeners, for your support in uh, helping us get this new mixer. It's uh, it's very uh, very kind and uh, very heartwarming that you would uh, care enough to do that. And um, also, as a reminder, we uh, episode 300 is coming up. Guys, tell us what you want us to do for episode 300. Send an email to halfhourwasted at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at halfhourwasted. We also got uh, Brad Milo, Frank A. Rincon, and the voice at 8HW. I forget your uh, handle. The voice HHW. Someday I'm going to find a more elegant uh, Twitter handle. No, it's nice. Yeah, the voice like HHW. You okay yeah, with the voice right. HHW. Okay. Uh, so with that, let's get out of here, guys. We'll see you next time on Half yeah. Hour Wasted. Email Turge, people.